Welcome to Sober Conversations, and thanks for joining us today. Sober Conversations is the podcast that gets to the heart of addiction recovery by examining all the angles of the sober lifestyle and just what it means to be alive, healthy, and thriving. My name is Dr. Herbie Bell, and today's episode, number 10, is a conversation with Rocky Snyder, a superbly credentialed and seasoned personal trainer and all-around stellar human being, and all of this in the hub of the universe, Santa Cruz, California. What brings Rocky to sober conversations is the fact that he is also a man in long-term addiction recovery. Our discussion includes the importance of fitness in recovery and Rocky's unique, while humble slant on living a vibrantly healthy life with passion. Let's get to the conversation right now. Rocky Snyder, can you hear me? I can, loud and clear. This is so fantastic. Finally, the old man figured out the technology. It's so great to hear from you. I've been looking forward to this conversation uh, for weeks. Thank you for agreeing to come on to Sober Conversations. Well, that's what you're saying now, but wait till the end of the interview. You may be thinking different things, so we'll see how that goes. Well, I've been promised all kinds of royalties just to get uh, you to answer some of these questions. And by the way, they're not the questions I submitted to you. Listeners, <laughs> uh, let me tell you something. Rocky and I have known each other for a long time, and, and we um, are going to be footloose and fancy free here. So here we go, Rock. Let me ask you to begin with. I want to say, tell us a little bit about your slant on fitness in recovery as it relates to your own personal journey as an exercise fitness professional. Uh, I'm going to blow your anonymity and tell it like it is. Sure, by all means. It's been blown long ago, so you won't be the first one. Uh, you know, I, I believe that it all transcends all aspects of our life in terms of where we find ourselves in life, the defense mechanisms that we have applied on ourselves layer after layer, that certain people look to certain devices or behaviors when we don't feel as good as or where we should feel like we want to be. So there's drugs and alcohol, obviously, is one of those choices that people will make. There's overeating. There's inactivity. There's improper relationships. There is anger issues, anger management, or just rage There's basically, it all boils down to those seven deadly sins. We can adhere or connect to one or more of them. And for me, I ventured toward the drugs and alcohol. And I can see others, very similar paths, but they chose uh, overeating. And they are all basically slow forms of a suicide, if you will. We know that it's not good for us, yet we continue to do it. We know the eventual outcome will be our demise and some serious consideration and complications will arise, but yet we still do it. So it's a form of insanity. So there's nothing that really differs from me to somebody that chose improper eating behavior compared to improper alcohol, drug use. Beautiful. I love what you're saying. So addiction is addiction, and we've got different sort of ways of uh, acting it out. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. And so there are those commonalities that we find from one to the other. You know, there is going to be a bottom 
hopefully, that all of us reach. And that bottom, we can consider well, that your consequences build up faster than you can lower your standards. That's when you hit the bottom. And hopefully people hit that, they have an epiphany, an awakening, and they reach out for help. And there are those around that have had the experience or similar experience in which can guide them out of that dark hole they find themselves in. Beautiful. So I am, as you know, trying to build a bridge between the recovering community understanding how very powerful and profoundly important a fitness program is for uh, to transcend uh, these behaviors that aren't so so good for us. And I got to tell you that uh, finding a fitness professional that is also well-versed in uh, addiction, things addiction, is easier said than done. And uh, do, can you comment on that? Is it, is, is it the stigma? People just don't want to talk about that? You know, I don't know if it's a stigma so much as it, it just isn't in our curriculum. When it comes to certifications and uh, continuing education workshops, there is, incredibly enough, a disconnect between exercise and proper living, as funny as that sounds. And I'll give you an example. I'm about to go down in a couple of weeks to a three-day trainer's conference, and you've got some of the creme de la creme in the fitness industry speaking. And then that first evening on Friday night, they will have a social and we have spent the entire day talking about eating right and exercising, but what do we do at this social? But there's, a, there's an open bar. And then <laughs> the hors d'oeuvres they serve are directly out of the frozen food section of Costco. <laughs> I, know. I kid you not. And it goes on and on like that. Now, I can't explain why there is a disconnect. I think that perhaps when we consider that if we're exercising, that somehow negates all the other things in our life, our, our eating behavior and drinking. I'm not really sure. Uh, I don't know. And it's unfortunate because I think those things go hand in hand, proper eating and exercise. And, and that's why I'm so enthusiastic about, uh, l let's call it, ancestral health principles uh, that gets grouped into the, the paleo community or the primal community, as well as evolutionary biology, because we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, and as research uh, tells us, that eating those things really set up a crappy uh, neurotransmitter cascade for a recovering per uh, person. In the addiction treatment community, the same thing occurs. Oh, exercise and eating well seems to be a good idea, but sort of second tier or a second thought as it relates to sort of the headspace stuff. Yeah, and how many times have you gone to a 12-step meeting and walked in and found over on their food table uh, some healthy choices, some fruit juice, some perhaps a little green tea, and uh, a platter of fruit? It doesn't happen that often. Usually it's cookies and coffee. And we think, oh, that's at least it's not alcohol. You know, they can go out and smoke cigarettes outside the meeting halls, and they can drink coffee and chocolates or whatever it is, and at least they're not drinking. Well, you're right. At least no one's ever been pulled over for maybe having too many cookies. And I don't think anybody's woken up to anybody whose name they didn't know because they had too many Starbucks mochas. But nonetheless, <laughs> these things are still happening. So there's, even within the recovery community, a disconnect between true healthy living. 
Now, how far we want to follow that rabbit down the hole is, of course, a, a matter of individual choice. We're still dealing with a level of hypocrisy we need to address. Okay, so this is where the rubber meets the road, because you're saying that the culture sort of reinforces this wink-wink behavior when this is a matter of life and death with respect to the recovery community seeing the relapse rates at an all-time high, uh, with us seeing death relate, or drug-related deaths at an all-time high. So let us uh, be on this mission, a couple of goofy-foot surfers, and do something little different. I want to ask you this. I've been at a gym every morning for the last 40 years, and in all my travels, I've never seen a facility as unique and user-friendly as your Rockies Gym in Santa Cruz in Pleasure Point. How did he get so cool? I I don't know. What made it so unique with all your experience? What What is it that you say stands out or makes us different? Because honestly, it's just what I do on a day-to-day basis. I don't necessarily think of going over to the Joneses and looking to see what they're doing. I'm, I'm curious from your perspective. I'll ask the question to you. What, what does make us different? Because honestly, I'm not really sure. Well, what you do is emulate uh, these ancestral health principles. You teach people to move as they play. You teach people functional exercise uh, habits where they're having a blast, they're working in groups, they're working, you know, one-on-one with you, but it is, uh, you know, they're global functional movements that are like real life instead of some, you know, nautilus uh, circuit training or something like that. I see. Yeah. So we, we break away from the dogmatic beliefs of your that said that it's more important how you look than how you feel. Because that is really what we're talking about with the bodybuilding approach is how good do I look naked in the mirror, which is important for most people that walk through this door. Fortunately, they keep most of their clothes on when here, but um, at home, I'm speaking, you know, you want to look good naked, but truly that is one of those things that will occur when you start to become more beautiful from the inside out. And what makes us happy, but look back to when we were kids. Rarely will you find uh, a depressed moment on a playground. Rarely will you find a child that's not having fun bouncing up and down on a hippity-hoppity or jumping rope. We got to look at that, that, that kind of behavior, and try and emulate it back into our adult lives because we forgot our childhood and we forgot what makes us happy. Now, put that together with principles of 12-step programs and practice those principles through all aspects of your life, not that we advertise that because that's not what we do, but we really rely on that attraction rather than that promotional aspect, but it's something we infuse into the training, whether we know it or not sometimes, but it's still there. And so we give permission for people to basically do the same. Well, and so tell me, uh, as you know, you you see me work out through the years, and you know I'm a little bit crazy that way because I I just get so naturally ecstatic and high when I work out. I listen to music, and I start to move, and my body just starts to feel like a million bucks. And so do you see that with your particular techniques that people get turned on to their own natural endorphins uh, and, and find ways instead of thinking, oh, I got to go to the gym and I got to work out. They actually look forward to it. it. Yeah, I would say probably honestly about 85% of the people 
will feel the way you just described. There's going to be those people that no matter how you shake the stick, they're still going to feel like this is just what they have to do in order for them not to break down further. But there may be a brilliant moment somewhere down the road that I hold out for with that 15% that something, some little epiphany will spark a desire in them to want to come here rather than need to come here. But most people want to come here because of that effect. Well, it's one of the uh, the happiest places. You know, uh, Disneyland is the second happiest place on the planet compared to Rocky's Gym. So let, <laughs> let me ask you this, and you remind me in in the the highest accolade I can think of of, of Jack LaLanne. I love Jack LaLanne. I actually met him once. And so how has exercise physiology changed from Jack LaLanne's approach to Rocky Snyder's approach? Well, uh, I had to go through my own path to find his. And it went through a lot of, uh, like I had spoken of earlier, a lot of dogma and a lot of aesthetics and a lot of education on what is truly meant as, as fitness. And it all goes back to Jack. Uh, honestly, sincerely, you get on YouTube and you play some of those episodes of him in his jumpsuit, patent leathers, holding on to a chair and saying, this is all you need. And the talk he gives at the end of each episode, I can remember being a kid and having my mom just have it on the black and white TV. And, and uh, maybe that was early programming, which I can only hope, because I found myself coming right back to the principles he spoke of, the movements he spoke of. The man was far ahead of his time. And I think that the trainers out there are starting to see that that is truly the point. There is a whole bunch of bastardizations of, of different exercise approaches, but there's very few that hold the test of time, and I think Jack has one of those. He, he absolutely does. You know, we were at a garden party. This was years ago on the peninsula, uh, San Francisco Peninsula, and, and there's Jack Elaine. And so I'm standing around with six other men, and he's in his blue jumpsuit, and he says, hey, Get the deck and give me 10. You know, these guys are looking at him like, is this guy for real? He was just the real deal. Love that guy. Uh, so I, I, wanted to, I want to ask you this, and, and I just uh, love the way you and your beautiful wife are rearing your two children who are extraordinary uh, children. How do you get kids to stay with their play ethics so that they don't have to rediscover it like you were talking about earlier? Any thoughts about that? Yeah, I have a, a big thought about that, is that we can't, as parents, forget what it's like to be a child. We can't lose focus with that. And we have to revisit our childhood often and, and uh, take their, their actions as, uh, as our teacher. You know, watch what they do and do what they do. And when they want to play, we play. Not to say that they control our every day, but uh, we can't forget it. And, and so often we want our children to grow up faster than they need to. And so we want them to be more serious and, and more responsible, which granted that will be great in the future. And it's something that we can sprinkle on them over the course of time at different opportunities, but we can't sacrifice the play time, the, the happy go lucky kind of just inspirational drop your hat at a moment's notice and suddenly play tag in the airport terminal we can't lose track of that 
And, and that's really, they are my teachers, and, and I learn much more from them than I think they do from me. And I think my wife would say the same. Well, your kids really are extraordinary, and I want to say it like this. You know, the mantra in my office is move well, eat well, and think well, and your kids do all of those things. And people say, you know, uh, the Snyder's kids are extraordinary, and the truth is your kids are quite normal. Uh, They're just given all the essential nutrients for them to be extraordinarily. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm not making the distinction as clear as I want to, but this is what happens when kids are are fed uh, these these good, uh, wholesome things. Yeah, every child has a certain potential in which they can grow toward, and, and some grow further toward that potential than others. And, and I know exactly what you say. Fortunately for us, we're in a situation and opportunities arise where, where we have awareness. I think that's really what it comes down to, awareness, compassion, empathy, those type of qualities, those spiritual principles Again, going back to what we were talking earlier, if we can practice those and share them with our children, then how great of a gift is that to them for later in life? I think it's priceless. It's immeasurable. And so you live in Santa Cruz in a, a playground where we we can play. And so why don't we talk about, since this is... Uh, a sober conversation and we're talking about things addiction and recovery let's talk about our beloved surfing uh, practice that we have in the context of inviting people to find a passion how important do you think that is for a recovering person to find a passion like we have found in surfing i think it is a great vehicle in which to get outside of yourself however it could also be a vehicle to transfer addictive behavior somewhere else. So everything practiced in moderation with people that don't have that ability to moderate is a tricky situation. I think surfing has, for me, been fantastic, but could easily be used to thwart my happiness. I mean, I I feel great. It's a cleansing effect when I surf. I feel like I am connecting with a power greater than myself. I think there's great qualities to that activity. But I can also see it overtaking other things that we may place as higher priorities. And therefore, we can be consumed by it, become addicted by it, And all we're simply doing is taking one vehicle of addiction and transferring it to something else. In that case, I don't think it's very healthy. So there needs to be definitely a moderate amount of everything. And that's why it's great to surf with friends and to do things in groups because together we can do what we could not do alone. Beautifully said. You know, you bring such an equanimity to to the... uh the questions I have. I I really appreciate that. And I have noticed through the years, and I have been very impressed with you and your colleagues, that your profession is really leaning into integrated approaches, that is, mind, body, soul kinds of ways of going about things. It wasn't too long ago that uh, it was, you know, the proverbial muscle heads in the gym when, in fact, you're seeing all you know, the epitome of health coming out of gym settings like yours. Can you elaborate what you're seeing? Well, I think the 
the pendulum can swing in extremes, but hopefully we find that center point more often than not. I mean, the, what we do here uh, is, is really no different than what's been done in the past over the history of civilization. And I mean that in the times of Hippocrates, in the times of Post and Kellogg's, uh, health sanitariums in the late 1800s, early 1900s, to the curriculum of the early uh, 1920s and 30s, we are getting the body to move, and we are dealing with the science of the physical body. So physical education is really what we're talking about. And somewhere along that timeline, you're going to get splinter groups that go to the extreme whether it be the super high-intensity training studios that you'll often find now popping up all over the place, the new ways in which yoga can be heated up to almost the surface of the sun, uh, to, <laughs> to, uh, to bodybuilding and the extreme steroidal uses of enhancement drugs. I mean, you've just got all of these extremes, but hopefully people will see that everything comes back to center. It's the same with weight loss. You see all these different dietary approaches. You see all these different programs of exercise coming out on infomercials at 2 a.m. But really, doesn't it just fall back to eating right and exercising? That's really what it comes back to. Just like exercises, doesn't it really come back to moving the body the way we were meant to move and having it be purposeful physical movement that carries over into our acts of daily living? That's what we do here. And I, I don't think we're really any different from a lot of other places. We just got cool toys to use. That's all. So I don't want to pull any punches here. I'm telling you that this this idea about having a balanced exercise regimen and eating in a balanced way is absolutely imperative for a recovering person to to inculcate and to habituate these practices, so to speak. How much credit w will you give to your own sobriety uh, around these two things, the fact that you exercise regularly and you're eating regularly? Will you just say it? Will you anchor it for me? Oh, it's been an integral part now in my recovery, exercise and eating right, but it wasn't always that way. Eating right did not come into play until probably I got married in my early 30s because my 20s I was indestructible and anything I put in my body instantly turned to gold and exactly what I needed. And I would right. eliminate whatever wasn't necessary. That's just how I looked at it. And exercise was used as a tool of procrastination, getting me away from the priorities that I really should have been attending. So in recovery, it has helped to true my compass to a more moderate way of living. I don't always drive myself to the salad bar, but more often than not, I will. I don't always work out with the same intensity, but more often I will. And I think the really the catchphrase here is progress rather than perfection, because we will not have a perfect way of doing this. There will be moments that we sway away from the ideal. There will be times that we find ourselves in situations where we cannot behave the way we want to. But we've got to be okay with being imperfect beings. With this whole sense of perfection, I think we need to throw that out the window and realize that 
there is going to be change occurring. And as long as we can strive in the right direction, two steps forward, maybe a step back, we're still making progress. Progress is the operative term. So leave people with uh, a couple of takeaways. What are three things everyone should know about fitness? Three things. One third of our body's muscles are meant for locomotion. We are creatures of movement. Sitting down for prolonged periods of time does nothing for you. We start our life with a breath, and that breath work doesn't stop until we die. That is one continuous thing that should remain a regular pattern of behavior for us. But breathing patterns change based on our environment, psychological condition, and physiological condition. But we can't forget that we need to breathe, that sets up a fantastic chain reaction through our body. In order for our bodies to function better, we need to breathe properly. So moving and breathing. And the last thing is we must commit to a life of happiness. That's basically it. We cannot be the glum, humdrum individuals trudging the life of happy destiny. We need to smile more often We need to do things for other people and get outside of our head. Those are the three things. I love that. So I'm going to ask people how they can get a hold of you, but I want to anchor this idea that Rocky's Gym might have a a special insight into people into the recovery community. Will you go so far as to say that you might be able to give that extra something for people in recovery? Well, because I've walked the walk, and I guess I'm talking it as well, and have that experience under my belt for the last 13 years, I will say that uh, some of those principles that you might look to acquire can be found here. I'm not going to try and advertise that, but if you want to live a happier, less painful existence, then maybe trying us might be a good alternative. Well said in your humble way. So how how can people get in touch with you and find you? Uh, social media, web, etc. cetera. Uh, Facebook's page, we've got Rocky's Fitness Center Facebook fan page. You can join us there or just get online to rockysfitnesscenter.com. Check us out there and hopefully we'll see you if you're in town. And if you happen to be listening from outside of town, you're cruising through Santa Cruz, Try and come on by Pleasure Point and uh, knock on the door and say hi and tell us that you heard us on uh, Dr. Bell's show. Last question. Why is it better to be a goofy foot surfer? Because your, your heart is facing the wave. You know this, but I'll just say it again. Your heart's on the left side, and you want to get closer to the ocean, your love of life. No better way than to turn toward the face with your left leg back behind you. That's what I'm talking about. Rocky, I can't thank you enough for taking your time, your busy, scheduled afternoon, and thank you, thank you. You are a dear friend, a Spartan, and a gentleman. As are you. I look forward to seeing you on the waves. Right on, Rock. Thanks. You got it. Rocky Snyder, thank you again for being and living your message. You can find Rocky on the web at facebook.com slash Rocky's Fitness Center, as well as rockysfitnesscenter.com. If you're lucky enough to be local, This man and his gym are diamonds in the rough. Thanks again, Rock, and hope to paddle out with you soon. I'm Dr. Herbie Bell, and you can find me at facebook.com slash recoveryhealth or 
recoveryhealthcare.me. That's dot M-E. And do us a favor and go to iTunes and give us a rating and a review because all great things begin with a conversation. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.